0: Hello and welcome to From A to C, the second in our new series of swimming podcasts, as part of our In the News series from the Southern Star. My name is Siobhan Cronin, and this week I am talking to journalist, author and regular sea swimmer Kathy Donaghy, whose new book, Finding My Wild, How a Move to the Edge Brought Me Home, is a stunning debut published by O'Brien Press. Kathy, a journalist for almost 30 years, is married to broadcaster and journalist Richard Curran and the couple living in a show in Donegal with their two boys, Dallan and Oriel, and the story of their move to Donegal is where the book starts. Now, Kathy, welcome.
1: Thank you, Siobhan. Lovely to talk to you.
0: Brilliant. And um, just to start, the the first chapter of the book is a lovely piece about Donegal and Inishowen and it's close to my own heart cuz as you probably know my mother was from Malin Head so I know that area quite well myself um but you also talk about being diagnosed with depression in college and how you moved home and then how so many years later you moved home again so maybe just talk us through that little bit you know about how you found it was really um it was a kind of a place that kind of healed your soul and how you felt you needed to go back there a second time around.
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose, um, you know, I, I talk about the depression and it, it goes back to a time in my life. I was in third year in college and I talk in the book about how I didn't see it coming, Siobhan. It it sort of just sort of appeared like a mist and, and, and literally like a mist or a fog, a heavy fog. I could not see a way out of it and I didn't know what it was. I had no clue what this, these feelings were I just knew that I I didn't want to get out of bed. I was just, you know, really, really low. I could cry. I had no energy. I had no enthusiasm for life. I was lethargic. Friends didn't recognize me anymore. Um, I could sleep all day. I, I actually was very lucky to. To, to get out of college that year in terms of pass my exams because it was just, the year was just I struggle to just literally put one foot in front of the other. That's what it felt like. Right. But I talk about um, getting help, you know, getting, I was lucky that um, I met a really wonderful counsellor who gave me really, I think, some great tools to, to cope with it. And um, I suppose that early experience of depression in my life taught me something that I never took my mental health for granted again. Right. But she she gave me some tools that I carried with me that I was, I think my my depression part of it was a homesickness, not 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 a, a, a missing home, but in a way that I really, really deeply felt that if I'm not in an can I actually be happy in the world? It was so formative for me. My love of place at home was so strong in the natural world. I didn't know if I could be happy in a world that wasn't the world that I'd grown up in even though I want I had all these dreams to be a journalist and set out and do something different with my life I didn't know if I could cope without this place and this this wonderful counselor you know she gave me something that I held on to and and it was almost like a free. She freed me. She said, "You know, Donegal isn't just a place on a map, and isn't just this place on a map." She said, "You know, it's 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 in your heart. You know, you carry it. It's in your accent. It's in everything that informs you. It's the way you see the world. Is that's Anishon. So it was almost like a liberation. I felt it was like the first little step
0: to healing. I felt I can go out into this world now because it's in me. And so, in effect, are you kind of saying everybody has their own Inishon? I think, that I, Siobhan, I have no doubt about it. We just we sometimes we maybe you're not from a place
1: of 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 wildness, and I live in a peninsula, at the you know the extreme edge of the country. But I think that everybody, and I think that's really the 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 core of finding my wild is that everybody has a place in their heart. You know, it may be the beach, it may be, but it may be the woods. It may be getting lost somewhere, but you know where that place is. You just have to tap into it again. And for me, finding my wild, yes, Inishon is it for me, but I think everybody has that place, that core of themselves, where they feel centred and it's where their heart is at ease and where they feel at home. And whatever that is, whatever that wildness, I call it wild because Inishona is pretty wild. And for me, it is a wild place that, that stirs up all those feelings of home. But I think everybody's got that place inside them. They just They just maybe have to look for it a wee bit sometimes.
0: Well, I suppose that's why it's very relevant to us down here because we're the total opposite end of the country. Um, but we have our own wildness down here. I mean, I, I just love nothing better than walking out to Mizenhead and standing on the bridge there and looking at the sea crashing below me. And on the calmest day, it seems wild out there. So I like I to- I totally get that. You get that. I
1: think the extremities of the country do that, you know. And I, I I almost think, you know, you know, whether you're in the extreme north as I am or in the south as you are, I think in these these places on the edge of this island, I think that you really you can sense that sort of um, expanse and um, connection you with nature, I suppose.
0: You're, yeah. you're closest to nature. And, yeah. and so you 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 went you went back to Donegal in college, but but then you subsequently had a really good, successful career in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hands up, I worked, I worked with Richard, he was my boss for a while. And I met you in the independent and I remember you being very dynamic, this beautiful, amazing woman, you know, sweeping in looking like, you know, the world was her oyster, but at some stage in your life, you felt you had to leave, you had to leave all that behind and leave Mm -hmm. the city. And that was a major wrench for you, but, but you braved it and off you went. So tell us a little bit about that, that move Yeah, well, Siobhan, and, and
1: and sometimes I think when I think looking back, you know, and I, I I look back at those years, you know, as a staff journalist in the Independent, and really fond memories of of you and 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 you know when when Rich and I both worked there, I, I you know I think they were the happiest working years of my life. I, I actually I loved that period in Middle Abbey Street. It was wonderful. But um, yeah, I think you know it coincided, I suppose, with the birth of our first child um and there was almost like <clears throat> a fault line was 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 drawn within me because there was that um you know the the part of yourself that's you know ambitious for yourself and in in a work way but once my first son came along i just you know the heart really won out because i realized that i want to be home for a few years i want to actually you know, be home and do the things. I want to make this dinner, and I want to look after him. I want to take care of him, and I want to, you know, for for the early years of his life, I definitely felt, yeah, I I, I have this this pull to be home. And I think when he was born. Even though Richard and I, I think we were both from the country as well, you know, so, you know, we've been talking for years about well, what could a life outside of Dublin look like? Could we make our lives work? Could we do? I mean, our jobs, we, you know, national media, they weren't exactly transferable um, and technology wouldn't have allowed us to, to to make leaps like that. But I suppose what happened was, you know, technology did start to change things broadened out a bit it looked like you know maybe this isn't a pipe dream and also I think really Siobhan we just had to leave we just had to jump and for me this little weird saying kept coming up jump and the net will appear so it almost seemed like too big too huge you know leave I was working in RT at the time leave my job you know leave our home move to Donegal how is this possible like I I'd worked so hard to get to a certain point in my career and I thought that's not possible but it was funny all these little serendipitous signs started appearing that were sh- it was like it was like a path was opening up to show us you know what this is the right way this is the right path and um and so we, so we did we moved we left we sold up and we you know we drove up the road and we and we settled in Donegal and um, our second child had been born at that point. He was just five months old when we left. And it did at times seem like madness. But even I never doubted it. I never doubted in my heart. My head might have said something different, but my heart said, this is you're doing the right thing. You're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. And I just kept coming back to that, you know.
0: But you had a really difficult first Christmas, Cathy, in Donegal, didn't you? You had had a miscarriage and you um as some people would say you went to the bad you had a really tough time I know you hit the, you felt you hit the drink a little bit over that Christmas and and you struggled a lot so um like talk us through how how you pulled yourself out of that darkness again so this was the second time I suppose in your life that you were feeling at rock yeah. bottom
1: and yeah it, it was and, and Siobhan by that first Christmas actually our first Christmas in Donegal I'd had I'd had two miscarriages the second one had been horrific Um, um, and it it, it resulted in me um, hemorrhaging and not only worried or you know lost that you know i'm losing i've lost my baby but i'm also in fear for my life now because we live 45 minutes from letter hospital and the roads are not great and um you know i was also in fear for my own life um and a fight or flight definitely kicked in so that christmas you know seemed very bleak you know i i saw my life it sounds it sounds difficult to say that this was how i saw my life going three children you know uh, it sounds presumptuous and and i and i it sounds presumptuous because i know now that you know when you roll that pregnancy dash you never know what way it's going to go and i'd already had you know two children and i was blessed with that with those two children and and i suppose that what happened afterwards made me realize how fraught and how difficult this road can be for people it's not straightforward at all my two my two pregnancies with my sons were like fallen off a log. There were textbook pregnancies. Everything went like just so perfectly. And then everything that could possibly go wrong afterwards, um, and my experience of recurrent miscarriage did go wrong. And it left me with um, you know, really, really quite traumatized after the experience of, of miscarriage and then and, and hemorrhage. And then, you know, then there was a series of miscarriages after that. So I actually thought what the hell have I done to my life? I've I've blown it up and now all of this is hell is raining down on me, you know. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a few years of very of of, of, of real just wondering what in hell is going on. And I think as well as that, you know, miscarriage does something to your heart and your head and and it affects every aspect of your life. Not just people think it's just your fertility, but it's actually. It's woven into the entire fabric of your being. you know it's it's your head, it's your heart, it's your body. And I sort of went to war with my body. i I, I looked on myself with distrust. um and i, I, I and my body became a battleground where I had lost these babies. and uh, i I gave myself a very hard time about that. and and it took some years to forgive myself. There was nothing to forgive. Mm. You know that was just life, you know, I was... was nothing wrong.
0: But it was nature, really, wasn't it, that pulled, that pulled you back? And you have a really beautiful chapter in the book about foxes and and stones in particular. And you have a lovely story about, you know, how you used to collect these stones all the time and carry them around with you. And you never thought much about it, except that you thought they were nice stones. And you met a man on the beach one day and he, t- he, he gave you a little line that you took from it. What was that?
1: Yeah. It was amazing. You know, I found myself um, when I started to write um, Finding My Wild, I found myself in a beach at Head in a little cottage. It's so remote. It's probably the most northerly cottage in the country. And... Um, it's it's so beautiful and the beach there is uh, these are mountainous waves you would never dare swim there in fact you would just be you, you wouldn't even paddle there it's it's just one of these really wild places and there was a man I used to meet I would go down for my walk in the morning write for the day and go down in the evening and write uh, my friend owns the cottage and she kindly let me stay there while I was writing the book and I met this man and he, he, it was like he could see into my soul because he said, oh, you collect the stones, too. You like the stones, too. And I said, well, you know, I do. But I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm quite I, I love picking them up and and, you know, taking them home as if they're little talismans or, you know, what, what they'll bring to my life. And he just said, you know, sometimes you let the stones go, but they're they're their own answers. Do you know what I mean? And I just thought he 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 feels the same about these little things in life that the universe offers itself up but sometimes letting them go is is okay too and and maybe there is no answer and just releasing it all and it was almost like the people you meet along the journey if you're open to meeting these people i believe they come into your life and it was funny um i didn't know that man but he he came to the launch of my book i said you know i'm writing this book would you come because what you've said to me really means a lot and himself and his wife and and they, and they came and we talked again and i think that sometimes there's so much wisdom when when you open yourself up to encounters with strangers it's wonderful you know
0: absolutely and um and then i suppose you kind of went from beachcombing nearly to to like discovering the beauty of swimming which is why we're, we're talking today and yeah. um i thought it was interesting you've written a nice little piece about the female body and it's something that I often find is that um, I think everyone looks better in the, in togs than in clothes for some reason, but uh, you had a nice piece here about it and you say, in my work I have spoken to many women who have told me how their relationship with their bodies changed over the years, and most particularly when they started swimming. There, in the company of other women on the beach, they shed inhibitions they'd gathered and held for a lifetime. The water gave them permission to be fully themselves, and they embraced the feeling and kept going back for more. Remarks made in a woman's youth can last a lifetime. Women's bodies are still the brunt of so many jokes, catcalls, and insults. These small and not-so-small woundings can stay with us forever. When will society realise that another woman's body is not its business? We are all different shapes and sizes, in the water, in the water. It doesn't matter what shape that body is. And I just think that's lovely. And um and you also write really beautifully about some of the friendships you've made mm-hmm. through sea swimming. So tell us a little bit about those.
1: Yeah, I've 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 met, I mean, not all my friends are sea swimmers, but I think um there's something about going to the water with, with another woman, you know, if um and and it it breaks it's a it's a strange thing, I think, Siobhan, that you know, peeling off your clothes at the edge of a beach. Um, it's like you you get rid of layers of, of of you know, you don't have to do the same groundwork that you do with friendships. And you know, you get we're not children or teenagers anymore where you know friendships are easily formed, but there's something about shedding of clothes and getting in immersing into water. It's like it strips away all of those, that groundwork and digging that you have to do to be friends. It's like we know we want to be friends. So we're gonna presume that. And, and when we're come to this space together to do the activity to swim together it's like you're making a pact with one another we already know we want to be friends so we're going to go from you know not to 60 perhaps in relationship terms and I think when you get to a certain age you know you want that in your life you know you you don't have time to you know to to spend we've got so many other things in our lives like children juggling this work we, 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 our friendships they've got to they've be got natural to be really and easy natural and, mm. and I think that's what it does and and yeah some of some of my my closest friends and i think as well as that afterwards you know there's that 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 sense of achieving something together being in there being in the cold water and the elements coming out and having your cup of tea it's almost like you're ready, you will you know you've already been opened by the cold and and so you are more raw and more open and more vulnerable and and there's a sharing that happens sharing. Mm-hmm. i think when when you go to that space with another woman and it's very natural it's not contrived and um if you know i've read a lot about vulnerability especially i suppose since the experience of of recurrent miscarriage and i think that if we show up as our true selves you know, without all the layers of of stuff that we wear and artifice. And swimming does that naturally. Mm. It takes away all of that stuff because sometimes you're afraid. Sometimes like, oh, I'm afraid of the cold. Oh, I'm not feeling it today. I'm a bit bloated. I'm a bit, you know, I'm not comfortable in my skin. But you get in there in the company of a friend and you're ready to be real. That's what I think is the beauty of it. And the friendships that you care about, sometimes at the edge of the ocean, they're just so beautiful.
0: And, and also, you have a lovely piece about this lighthouse that you used to look out at and you eventually one day decided you were going to swim out there. I thought that was a lovely piece. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that lighthouse and, and why you were no, You I, to- I think, yeah, I think the lighthouse has
1: become such a catalyst for a lot of the changes in my life. Um, you know, I would look out at this lighthouse. It's so beautiful. It sits right in the middle of Loch Foyle. It's architecturally just perfect and it sits right in the centre of, of Loch Foyle, which is essentially a salty inlet of the Atlantic Ocean. It's tidal, it moves really, really fast. The water in Loch Foyle moves faster than Michael Phelps can swim. So you can't out swim it, it is, it is incredible. Um, but I've been looking at it and driving up and down the road and thinking, wouldn't that be amazing to swim out to that lighthouse, had anybody ever done it? And in fact, people did do it. But um, I thought, I, I ha- this notion came into my head that I want to become a good enough swimmer to get out there and back mm. safely. Um, no, it took time. Swimming is small increments of improvement. Sometimes mm. you think you're going nowhere, it can be like stuck in treacle. you know, you feel like I'm going backwards actually. Mm. but um, in small increments, your swim your your progress of a swimmer, maybe over the course of a year, you really notice the change, but not, you know, not in in a month. you know, people mm. think that I'm gonna be a really good swimmer in a month. It's just it's it's a long, it's the long the slog.
0: Slog, yep.
1: it's the <laughs> long slog, yeah. it's the long slog. but in a way, you know that's the beauty of it too. It's not easy and it's not going to offer itself up to you easily. But
0: if you really it's want it's a bit it, like life itself, Kathy, isn't it? You take it a think, step I at think a time. It is. I think
1: it is, Siobhan, you know.
0: But um the, the lighthouse became like this
1: this sort of ideal for me. Um and I also the the symbolism of it as well, you know, it's so beautiful sitting out there and it's it is like a beacon. You know, and for me it was it was a place that maybe I'll reach someday. And I thought, you know, it became this this kind of a like a beating heart in the middle of the in the middle of the, the the lock for me. So with with training and practice, um a few years ago myself and some good friends swam out to it on the most beautiful, perfect summer's day. And it was it was like it was like swimming in silk. The foil is choppy today. There's a big wind on it and it's it, you wouldn't go into it today. But on that day it was like and the, the water was warm and you know you just heard your own breathing. I had my support crew were Richard and the kids and, and kayaks, everybody, that did, the four of us that did it, we all had our own support team. And we got out there and we were, all of a sudden, we were looking up at the lighthouse from underneath and we swam back. And it was just this feeling of, of euphoria. And I look at it now and I think every day, I it's it's still a beacon for me. And I think, oh, yeah, we were out there and it was just a day of magic. And But as much as that, the journey to getting there, Siobhan, I mean, not just that physical swim, but I mean, the journey as a swimmer. Of, of progression of putting in the long hours and the cold mornings and the practices and the, you know, you can do this. And, you know, all of that journey made it so worthwhile. And um that, I suppose that's the journey of the swimmer. As you say, it's the journey of life. If you really want something, it's not going to just offer itself up to you. um And and that Lighthouse for me, it's, it represents so much of the change in my life, I suppose, as well.
0: Well, Kathy, I just want to, and by saying it's an absolutely fabulous, fabulous book, um it's it's really one woman's journey, like through life, through Ireland, through careers, family, like it's all in there. But I I read it again today for the second time. I was reading through it before the interview, and I just thought it's just so so beautifully written. So I, I really wish you all all the best with it, and I'm hoping we might be able to entice you down to West Cork for a little I have swim. Have go down <laughs> and get a swim down there, Siobhan. You won't have to entice too hard. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for listening to the Southern stars in the news podcast. This episode was produced and presented by Southern star editor, Siobhan Cronin and edited by me Dylan Mangan. This was the second episode in our new A to C series focusing on sea swimming. So if you enjoyed it, please be sure to check out our first interview with total immersion swim coach, Melissa Duncan, and please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss any future episodes for stories like this and more visit southernstar.ie forward slash podcasts where you can swim through previous episodes and be sure to pick up a copy of this Thursday's newspaper in shops across West Cork or online via subscribe.southernstar.ie. Thanks for listening.